Good morning and welcome to the PMC podcast brought to you by Invisible Fence, Zach's Creamery, Nep's Restaurant, Montgomery Welding, and all others who have donated to our ministry. Myself, Josh Schwartzentrooper, and my co-host, Nate Raber, hope you enjoy our episode today as we dive into biblical truths, talk to brothers and sisters in the faith, and explore what God is doing in the lives of his people. We pray today that God would be glorified. All right, welcome to the PMC Podcast. I'm Josh Schwartzentrooper, and this is a special episode today because this is our 100th episode on the PMC Podcast. Nice. We don't. We usually just do it for our guests. We will here in a second, but that's a little bit for us. I yeah. never thought we'd get to a hundred episodes. Uh, well, I went back when we were using the phone and like, yeah, that was that's terrible. Not good. And you had like basketball practice going on yeah. in the gym next to us. You couldn't hear anything. Yeah, we were now not, we're legit. We've got a good mixer and we're legit mics yeah. and headphones. We look legit. We look legit. We're not so, legit, but we no. We, we have the appearance. Yeah. We looked apart. Hey, our listens are going up. And I gotta, I got, I got a hunch that our listens are going to go skyrocket, skyrocket today with the special guests that we're bringing there on today. And for our hundredth episode, I, I just shared with her that we didn't plan this to be our hundredth episode, and she made her feel a little bit less special. <laughs> but it was cool that this worked out because I think if Nate and I, one thing I thought about doing for our hundredth episode before we, you know, our planning is just terrible here at the PMC podcast. But um, one thing I thought about doing was reflecting on oh, episodes that we had. So we may do that next week. Okay. Um, but if we were going to reflect, I think both of us would say that one of our favorite. The, the favorite. The favorite. Yeah. yeah, definitely probably one of the favorites uh, uh, episodes we've ever done was back on February 5th. 2021, so about a year and a half ago, um, when we were going through our prayer series, mm -hmm. we brought on a special guest, Tara Brower, and to talk about the power of prayer. And uh, Tara shared with us uh, just the battle that she was going through with her cancer, and uh, she phoned in from Houston. Houston. Oh man, we just revealed who our guest is today. <laughs> The, the title always says it. I know it does. Uh, but yes, so we phoned her in from Houston and we talked to her on a cell phone. And a year and a half later, here we are back in studio and Tara Brower is with us today. Yay. Tara. I'm in person. In person. There you go. So we, we always do that with our guests. It makes them feel. I'll take it. Yes. It hypes yes. them up a little bit. H hypes them up. Yep. So Tara, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. I'm thankful to be here in person. Yeah. Gorgeous Indiana, headed into the fall. And this is a time of year uh, that I missed a large part of last year. Correct, yeah. So I was still in Houston for the summer and got home in August. Spent nine months there, as we talked about yeah. before, with my leukemia treatments and a stem cell transplant. So I am thrilled to be back on Indiana soil and Absolutely. just enjoying all taste of home. And I think we talked about this before and we'll get into it a little bit more, but it's almost been a year, it correct? Has. Right around a year you got back around this time last year. So it's just, I don't know. I, I'm just, it's just really cool to see how this has all come together. And that's what we're going to spend our hundredth episode talking about today is where we have come to, from a year and a half ago when we interviewed Tara on the phone. We've got her in studio today and quit saying studio. This it's literally your office at church. This is not a studio. Just official. Stop. You don't, this is why we don't let you talk during these things, okay? In studio. In studio. 
But we have Tara with us today, and she's going to fill in the gaps from the last time that we kind of talked a year and a half ago to where we are now. And uh, she is much more prepared than we ever are on this. I mean, she's got pages written down, which I believe she did last time when we talked. Yeah, she's we just couldn't see. <laughs> you can see. But I think she did say she had some stuff written down. But uh, we are super excited. So, Tara, I'm just going to start right off. A okay. year and a half ago, we get done with the podcast episode back on February 5th, and you're getting semi close to the transplant, correct? I was, I was. So I just wrapped up uh, in February, I just wrapped up basically three months of chemotherapy, Um, some inpatient, some outpatient chemotherapy treatments for my condition, which was acute myeloid leukemia. I got to Houston December of 2020. Acute means it came on really, really fast. So I had no warning um, ended up in the hospital overnight here locally and then left within two days for Houston, Texas through an emergency flight. And I spent the next nine months there. So December to, of 2020 to August of 2021, I did those three months of chemotherapy, had a few complications with my gallbladder of all things. Mm. And uh, luckily you don't really need that. No, after, you don't. <laughs> after all. Uh, so ended up being delayed on a stem cell transplant just by about a month or so. And when we talked, I was preparing to have my gallbladder out and then go in for stem cell transplant, which was another month-long process Mm -hmm. in the hospital in May of 2020. And that's a recovery process of at least 90 days after your hospital stay. You need to stay close to the hospital in Houston. So it was a a fairly intense recovery period. A lot of blood transfusions, doctor's appointments, and follow-ups. And then I was allowed to come home. So it was beginning of August of 2021 that I was allowed to come back to Indiana. And I still do my regular follow-ups, but praise God, in remission. Yeah, and, awesome. Um, and I'm thrilled to be here talking with everybody today on how, on how I just saw God scatter the seeds mm-hmm. and go before me in this journey before I even realized I was sick before I knew I was going to need this transplant. God just put things in the path years before. And here I sit today enjoying life and, and praising God for those blessings. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that we, we always harp on every episode that we have. And anytime we do testimony talks is when people talk about their life, they reflect on their life, whether it's from the day they were born to where they are now, or just in the past two years and Mm -hmm. what you've been battling with, we can see God's sovereignty at work. We can see God in control. Like you said, even before you knew you had cancer, God was putting things in place to get you to where you are today. And honestly, it's, it's, it's how we can now, and I'm sure you have even a better outlook on this. Um, For me, it's hard sometimes for me to kind of realize this, even though I know it's truth, but knowing that God is good and that he is in control so now I don't have to fear anything mm-hmm. that comes my way. And I think that you've experienced that tremendously in the last two years. Sure. Absolutely. I, there was a sermon at our, our local church and just this last Sunday, it was, it was just phenomenal. It hit, some things just hit you and pierce mm-hmm. you in your mm-hmm. heart. And the topic of this was, was fear less and be faithful. And, um, that just spoke to me in such a way. And I do think it, it takes going through fires and being refined through some of those fires and those experiences to have an appreciation for it. But once you've done that, it doesn't have to be monster things like cancer, Mm -hmm. but it can be all the little things leading up. It gives you that life experience to say, okay, when the next hurdle comes, I'm going to use this to look back and say, 
God was faithful then, yep. so I know he can be faithful now. I may not know the outcome of this situation, but I know that he was faithful at this point in time in my life, so I know it's I know he's capable. Mm-hmm. And that gives you, at least with me, it gave me just enough to take the next step to say, I know he can do this. If he chooses to, like, I know he can, and so I'm going to. I'm going to take that step of faith. Absolutely. Well, and I, I, I recently just did a funeral of Beth Graber, mm-hmm. uh, who passed away from cancer, or she had a long battle with cancer. Um, and uh, Matt Merrill was doing the sermon after me and Tom had spoke, and he had said something that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. But then uh, thinking back on it, like I sat there and thought about it, it was really good. He said, thank God for cancer. And the reason he said that was because in the midst of Beth's cancer battle, her faith was so refined mm-hmm. and it was just a, it was a time where her faith was strengthened. Brett's faith was strengthened. I'm sure, you know, for you, like you look back on this, these last two years, your faith has been absolutely strengthened. Absolutely. And, and to the point where I was reflecting on this this morning and, and this is where uh, the humility comes in because I, in my prayer this morning, I thought, God, I haven't leaned into you as much mm. these last couple months. Yeah as I did then, mm-hmm. like I was, I was on fire. I was in the work as much as possible. My, my music, my playlist reflected it. Like, mm-hmm. God, I was leaning in, in the hardest trials of my life. And here I am in remission, Lord. And don't let me, don't let me lose that fire. You know, I know it takes a discipline yeah. and, and get back to it, but I was just humbled in that this morning thinking I have not been in it as much as I was then. And I want to be, Yeah. um, so I, I don't know. We're all human mm-hmm. and we go through different seasons of our lives. But, uh, but that's something that I was reflecting on this morning. Oh, so yeah. thank, thank God for cancer that, that the faith is there in the, in the trials and that you lean into it. But I, I was just reminded and humbled this morning that I thought, man, I gotta, I gotta be more disciplined. Yeah. I, I ran across a Psalm this week and, and knowing you were coming on, it kind of piqued my interest, uh, in Psalms 119 verse 67, uh, it says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And then down in verse 71, it says, it was good for me that I was afflicted, mm-hmm. that I might learn your statutes. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, when we think of being afflicted, like that's not, we usually, our first reaction isn't, this is good for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Psalmist says, it's good that we learn our statutes, that we that Correct. we lean into um, God when we're, when we're in those places. And it just, it just hit me. I don't know if I ever heard that or read that Psalm before. Mm-hmm. Just, just David thanking God for cancer, thanking God for mm-hmm. his affliction, because this is what allowed him to lean into him. Well, what's that story of, there was a, a group of guys that were captured prisoners of war and they were all thrown into a room. And, uh, before they had, uh, got captured, they had tore pieces of the Bible off to keep with them. And they read those every day, these, these four or five men, I forget what it was. Um, and every day that's all they had. They read and they prayed and they read and they prayed and they read and they prayed. Well, then they ended up being rescued, came back, to states and started living their lives and they met back up like six months later and they asked each other they said man do you sometimes wish we were back mm. there like now that we just like it, we would he- hearing you say that it was just kind of like they realized how much they leaned in on god in that moment mm-hmm. and now that they're back living their comfortable lives they realize that they're missing something right you know what i mean what they did have back then even though it was a terrible time of their life they were never closer to God than in that moment. I think that's true for a lot of us. Yeah. So it's just it's 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 a great way to look at afflictions, 
sickness, whatever comes into our lives, looking at it in that sense rather than looking at it in a physical fleshly sense, I right. think helps us go through those tough times even right. even better. I mean, to grow out of them, I think, is the point of those trials that we have. So, But Tara, you talked about your transplant, and before we came on, you told us some really cool stories about uh, this whole process and uh, the person that was your donor. Uh, yes. just, just really, really cool stuff. And we'd be remiss to not mention that part. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your donor and the process of meeting them, talking with them and just the, how God's worked through that situation. So I now know the name of my donor, but the process of a stem cell transplant or more commonly referred to, uh, before as a bone marrow transplant. The process of that is that I don't know who it is and I'm not allowed to know who it is. If they are a U.S. donor, you're not allowed to know their name or any demographics about them for one year. If they're international, it's two years. And um, so I, I came up with a name to refer to her as very early on in my journey. And I chose the name of Esther. And I chose the name of Esther because in the book of Esther, talks that Esther was put in at this point in time in history for such a time mm -hmm. as this. Mm -hmm. And when I was reading and in my studies, it was just something that I thought, who would have thought a complete stranger to me, unrelated. I know several people have bone marrow and stem cell transplants that they have a family match. I did not. So I was just put out into the, into the universe of the donor bank at many different agencies. Be the match is probably one of the most common agencies, but there are several others. So I was just put out into the universe to find this hopefully a perfect match and uh and they did they found four actually oh wow and so amazing to me i have four 10 out of 10 matches out there they measure them based on a whole bunch of what they call hla markers <clears throat> and so this uh this donor we have a 10 out of 10 match on four of them but my doctor said we actually measure a few things beyond this 10 out of 10 marker we measure four more markers beyond that and he said, you have one of the four that is a 13 for 14 match. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I've just tears <laughs> rolling down my face. I'm thinking, she's like my long lost cousin. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. must, we must look alike. <laughs> you know, where did she come from? How can you have such a perfect yeah. match to someone? And they're not even family. Yeah. And my own brother was like a 60% match oh, when wow. he was tested. Really? I just have one brother. Um, so it's just so interesting to me that there can be somebody out there that's created for for potentially such a time as this and that she signed up well in yeah, advance that's true. Mm -hmm. to be on this registry. Mm -hmm. And so um, on that day, it was, it was Cinco de Mayo. It mm. was May 5th that I was in the hospital, that I received my transplant. I didn't know anything about her other than she was a 39-year-old female. She was from the United States. And she's had no children. And that's important, actually, in a stem cell transplant, just medically, because apparently you give away a piece of your DNA or your cells with each child you mm -hmm. have if you're a female. So a lot of the donors are male. There's a great need for people to sign up for to be a bone marrow um, donee or donor. And, um, and so she was. So very interesting about her. I, I'm gonna, actually going to read to you yeah. from my journal. And this is one day after my stem cell transplant, we were able to write letters to each other. And so uh, we couldn't know, couldn't share any demographics, but she wrote a letter to me. And then afterwards I wrote a letter to her. 
So I wrote, wow, what a time to reflect. One day after stem cell transplant and gratefulness can't be contained. Today I received a letter from Esther. What a sister in Christ I have. So many people have been praying for her and I today and our worlds collided. She loves God and has such a hope and love for me and God's God's cure through her cells. She quotes Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. This is my high school sports verse that I said every time I stood up uh, at the line to shoot a free throw. She also quoted Waymaker, and this has been a theme song for me over the last two years with incredible meaning for both me personally and my Sunday school kids that I teach back at home. And then she didn't name the song, but she quoted, God of the mountains is the God of the valleys. And goodness, the mountains has been a reference for me publicly on my Facebook page, but personally in my private life. And the title of the song and the person in my life that helped that hope arise and great and turns graves into gardens just came full through for, through full force. So God wrote that letter. I'm convinced, uh, Lacey's letter to me, and it was an incredible moment hearing Him speak through her to me and revealing part of that plan. How awesome is He? I inserted her name into that because I didn't know her name at the time, but Mm -hmm. I do know Mm -hmm. her name today as Lacey. So she's no longer Esther to me, but she is Lacey to me. And I was able to find that out a year later. Uh, So on, it was actually on the 16th of May, um, we both had to uh, express an interest to our coordinators, both at Be The Match and then my coordinator at the hospital, that we would like to know each other. Mm-hmm. And they can't reach out to us to say, would we like to be in contact? We have to know that it's the year time frame. We have to want to reach out. So much to my surprise, but I was pleasantly surprised when I reached out to my stem cell coordinator, she said, your donor's already been in touch. <laughs> She's already filled out the form awesome. to get to know you. And that evening, I'm sitting in my bed and I'm checking my email on my phone and I see just a title donor info from my hospital and there's an attachment and, and you know, your heart starts racing Mm -hmm. and beating. You're thinking, Oh my gosh, what, what is this going to say? This could change the rest of my life. I'm going to know a person that I've never known before and what a gift she has given Mm -hmm. me just, just unselfishly. And so anyway, I open it up. I now have her name, I have her address, I have her email, I have her cell phone number, all on this one document. And I had to fill out the same, mm-hmm. but it was just, I, I just sat there for about 20 minutes and I just cried. Absolutely. Because, it, and then you're thinking, well, how do you contact this person? A person that gave you life. Yeah. I mean, I, I picture a, a child who may have been adopted and is meeting a, a birth parent for the first mm. time. And, and just the feelings mm-hmm. of that, you know, you have so many questions yeah. for them. How do you start that conversation? Mm. So I waited. Um, I waited a day until I just couldn't wait anymore. I wanted to pray on it. I wanted to think about it. And my first message to her, all it was, was a picture of me sitting on the chair in my living room. And my six-year-old had fallen asleep in my arms, mm. which doesn't happen very often. And, and I just, all I did was send the picture and I said, this seems like an appropriate way to introduce myself. Oof. I'm holding my baby. Terry, you're not supposed to make me cry. I know. I'm thanking Man. God for life. And here we are. And from then the conversation just started between the two of us. It was yeah. so special. We don't cry much around go, here. Go ahead, Nate. Man. 
I think I can count on uh, one finger how many episodes I've I've teared up in, and <laughs> she's done both of and them. And it happens to be, yeah, <laughs> both of them. Oh man! So, oh, wow. I mean, so that's so that I don't know how I would be in in that sense. Like you, you like you said, you you are finally can meet the person that saved your life. I mean, obviously, God saved your life through her, but like for her obedience to go and do this and. And I, and I don't know how many people know this before, but I've talked to people that have that have given bone marrow before. Like mm-hmm. it hurts. Like it's a it's 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 a process for, for them to go through. Um, so for her to do that sacrificially, and I don't know, just the whole story of how God matched everything up, and like you said, you have this person out there, and you got to think about this in a sense that yeah, there's billions of people in the world today, and that's probably it, it, honestly for me, I don't know, but there's probably matches out there for me but the chances to find a match that close but then even the chances for that person to sign up and donate i mean just it doesn't make sense well it just proves but. that we all evolve from like single soul organisms right, <laughs> right? we're yeah. just we're just random things just randomly yeah happen. we're just random blobs right yes. it, it doesn't prove that we have a creator that has that has you know intentionally designed us but think about how that. we are so when he created lacy and he created tara he knew that in some point in time, the way he was creating Lacey was going to be to help mm-hmm. save Tara. Like, that just blows my That's before the foundations of the world that he planned that yeah. out. And let me just tell you, we don't look alike. <laughs> right. and, we, and, and, and our our personality, we're both very outgoing. But I, I got a picture of her and I was like, oh, we don't look anything alike. You know, we both have yeah. dark hair, but yeah. different body types, yeah. and it, it's just so funny. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. So, and you also you also shared a little bit of Lacey's story on why mm-hmm. she do- decided to donate, which in itself is sad, but at the same point, like God working again. Yes, He scattered those seeds long before. So, um, as I got to know Lacey through text message, one of the first things she wanted to share with me, and I love this, she actually brought it up before I would even ask the question. She said, do you want to know my why? Mm. Like, do you want to yeah. know why I'm on the list and why I chose to donate? And and that's just, that's been a burning question. Why would somebody mm-hmm. that, you know, and I had friends and family that asked if it's painful or if it's a process why would somebody sign up to do it? That, and, well, and not in the sense of not even being your family. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I could see myself doing that for any of my siblings or whatever, mm-hmm. but like to do that for someone else, like that takes a whole nother level of well, commitment and obedience. I think you are so right. And, and I, I actually remember sharing this with my, um, with my six closest girlfriends. They said, you know, we thank God for her, but why would she choose to do this? And I said, hopefully for the same reason my children will sign up one yeah. day mm. to be on the registry they may not have been able to save their mother's life or you know some but they might be able to save somebody else's Absolutely. and they know a random stranger save somebody close to them mm-hmm. i've had family members since then they knew they weren't going to be a match they knew i had a match already they signed up after the yeah. fact wow. and they said because somebody did it for you yeah I want to be that for somebody else. Absolutely. And that's exactly why Lacey did it. So a little bit about her background and that she shared with me is that um, a friend of hers just out of college, somebody that she lived with uh, in South Carolina, and when they were both unmarried, her name is Mary. And Mary and her grew to be very close friends and roommates, but Mary later got married and she had twin sons, Lachlan and Calhoun. I love those names. Mm. 
Lachlan and Calhoun. And at the age of two, Lachlan, one of the twins, was diagnosed with a rare childhood leukemia. It's called JMML. I had never heard of it before. But Lachlan went through treatments, and he um, he ultimately went through a stem cell transplant, much like me. And it gave Lachlan nine more months with his family, but ultimately he did not stay in remission. Mm -hmm. The cancer came back and it took Lachlan's life. And Lacey watched her, one of her best friends, Mary, go through this very close to the two children and just had a heart for what they were going through. And so they formed a foundation in Lachlan's honor. And they wanted to use that situation for good. And so this foundation is actually called Lachlan's Hope. And the foundation helps families that are going through and signed up for the stem cell transplant. They help them with their expenses that aren't covered by insurance. So it might be hospital stays or plane tickets or food, but they're there to support families through that journey. And they also, they're really close to Clemson University. Okay. And so they also help sign up folks and Mm -hmm. create awareness for uh, be the match yeah. and for stem cell drives to sign up. And so with this, they've signed up, she estimated over 5,000 people wow. through wow. the years, through Lachlan's Hope, creating these bone marrow drives. And it's easy. You know, this is a, a shameless plug for it. Mm-hmm. But if you ever choose to do this, all you have to do is go on to be the match, order a kit through the mail. It's a cheek swab. Mm -hmm. That's all it is initially is a cheek swab. And you send it in and you're on file then. And then if you get the call that you are a match based on that preliminary, then you'll go in for some blood draws and some extra testing. So really a person has to say yes twice Twice. because you sign up to be on it. And then if you get the call to be that you're a match for someone, then you still have to say, yes, I want to go through with it. So Lacey had to say yes twice. And not only did she say yes twice, she, when she was talking to me, she said, can I do it next week? You know, when they gave yeah. her the call, like, mm-hmm. Hey, you're, you're a match. She was, she said, I'm, I'm signed up. I'm ready to go. You tell me what I need to do and I'm, I'll be there. But out of those 5,000 people they've signed up, it's pretty rare. Only three to her knowledge have ever been called of the 5,000 that have signed up with wow. their organization oh, wow. have ever been called that they're a match. And one of them is her. And she just happens to be on the board of this foundation wow. she just happens to be mary's best friend mm-hmm. you know she just happens to have known lachlan personally yeah and so she was like yeah sign me up yeah so it's just amazing to me she and i have reflected how um you look back and you think horrible situation a two-year-old that never never got to live his life and see the world but that God has fulfilled a purpose through that tragedy and through that illness. And he laid the foundation before I even got cancer, Mm. before I even knew that I had it. You know, this has been years and years ago. And here she serves on the foundation. It it created awareness for her to sign up. And it's it's clearly potentially saved two other people through perfect matches through. It was just mind-boggling to me that those seeds were laid mm-hmm. long before I came along. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, and that's the thing is, as we listen to your story, um, I don't know, people, people can't sit there and say that there's coincidences or, you know, things just happen. But like, like you said, I don't know, when was Lachlan? I mean, that was years ago, you said, when yes. Lachlan pa- passed I, away? I would guess seven. Okay. I don't know the exact time frame, okay. but I think they'd be about nine right now. Okay, yeah. So, and his brother's healthy and doing well, and they've since had another child. Okay. Um, so just 
just amazing how God has used that little boy to still touch and his family saying, yes, Lord, you know, even after the tragedy mm-hmm. to stay faithful and, and be encouraging and use his story to help others. I've not met Mary. I've not even met Lacey face to face. We've done FaceTime. Yeah. Uh, we have sent lots of messages. She stayed, uh, she wants to be active in the boys in my kids' lives. And she's even FaceTime during their at bats for baseball <laughs> games yeah. and sent birthday messages. So I foresee a very close relationship forever, and we look forward to hopefully this fall and a time we can meet up. Awesome. That's what I was going to ask if there's any, maybe some plans for her to come over here or you go over there. And that'd be, that'd be, wow, what a moment that would be. Um, But Lacey, actually, you had another story too, where Lacey kind of wandered into a church and Mm -hmm. how God was kind of working on her through that situation. You want to share that story? I do. This is one of my favorite stories of hers. So, uh, and she'll, she'll fact check me afterwards and tell me what I, what I got right and what I got wrong. So I mentioned that I had a name for her and my name was Esther uh, for her because I couldn't know her name for an entire year. And when we were talking on the phone, she said, do you want to know my name for you? And I said, yeah, I, I think I do. And she said, you are Miss Jaquita to me. Miss Jaquita. Miss Jaquita. Can you imagine my face when she was like, Miss Jaquita? Uh, okay. All right. Well, she's from the South. So I, I don't know. I, maybe that fits, but yeah. there's got to be a story with yeah, that one. Yeah, has to. And so Lacey has demonstrated to me time and time again through her emails and through her words, just her faithfulness and her love for Christ and her encouragement. Um, she's a caregiver by nature too. She cares for her mother and her father who have had some illnesses, um, and live with her. And she's just, she's just been faithful. And she has a friend who is a preacher at a church, not her home church, but away. And somebody that she described to me was just a mentor through her spiritual life. And the weekend before she was set to do her donation, her stem cell donation, which her friend Mary Lachlan's mother went with her, by the way, to do her donation special. So she attended with her friend. She attended this church. And the pastor I mentioned is a friend of hers, but the pastor didn't know she was coming. Mm-hmm. She wanted to make sure he was preaching that Sunday. So I think she called somebody at the church just yeah. to say, I want to make sure he's going to be there. I'm going to seek him out afterwards. I want him to know what's going on because my process was very drawn out about my, my donor. But I mean, she got a call in January and she donated in March. Okay. Yeah. And then I didn't receive them. They froze them and I didn't receive them until May when I was ready. So this, this pastor didn't know what was going on, but she wanted to pray with him and she wanted to tell him what was going on. So she goes to church that morning, uh, a little ways away from her house and she's sitting next to her friend. And, and as she describes it, the pastor stops the message and he says, I just really feel like we need to pray for someone in the, in the congregation. And this was unusual for him to do. And so Lacey's friend sitting next to her, you know, how you kind of get the elbow in the ribs. She's like, we came. Yeah, this is and, what you came for. And Lacey's outgoing from what I know from her, but but she was not about to stand up in that church and be like, oh, I'm the one you're <laughs> supposed to pray for. And so she uh, she's arguing kind of with her friend next to her, like, no, 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 mm-hmm. not me. And he he's a little persistent, this pastor. Like, come on, I, I know we're supposed to be praying for someone. And so her, she gets the elbow again. And finally, after a couple of times, she says, okay. I'll, so she stands up, she goes up, and I think he's surprised to see her, number one, but then it's kind of like, what's going on? So very briefly, but not to the whole congregation, she just kind of says something. She says, 
you're, you're the reason we're supposed to be praying this mm -hmm. morning over you and your stem cell donation, but also over the person who's going to receive them. And uh, he calls, he said, have you ever been anointed with oil? And she says, no, I, I never have. He pulls up a chair and he pulls up an, for her and he pulls up an empty chair. And he said, we are going to anoint you and pray over you. But I feel like this chair is empty. We need somebody to fill it and yeah. stand in, be a surrogate, so mm -hmm. to speak, for, um, for the person who's going to receive yourselves because she didn't know my name mm -hmm. either. So he calls a lady out of the choir loft and she has on a headscarf. And so she is going through her own cancer journey. And as the pastor described it to Lacey, he says, he says, this is Miss Jaquita. <laughs> She's also fighting in the fight of her yeah. life. And we're going to sit down. We're going to pray over both of you. So that chair, that empty chair that Miss Jaquita sat in now became yeah. the surrogate name, the, the, you know, transplant name for Tara. Yeah. And so for a year, she thought of me <laughs> as Miss Jaquita. Jaquita. I just, I love that. And I get such a, kick out of that. Oh story. yeah. But what a, what a, what a story there too, that, I mean, so it's another, just how God is not just present in one place. I mean, he's working mm -hmm. all over in everybody's lives and in that specific time for Lacey praying over her. And at the same time you're being prayed over and you have no idea that any of this stuff is going on, but you're getting prayer, not only from people in your community and people that you know, but even people that don't know yeah. you in yeah. the, but in the body of believers, uh, it's just, it's crazy to think about. So mm -hmm. yeah, Nate, you got anything so far? Or is it still your quiet period? It's still, I'm just listening. Just listening. All right. So you get your, you get your transplant and how long have you been home, home now? Home, home one year. One year. So transplant was May 5th. And then I stayed, um, my required approximately a month in the hospital. My mother was allowed to stay with me in this hospital stay. In my previous stays, she was not, mostly due to COVID. Yeah. But the transplant procedure is rough. Um, not as much on the donor. There's different ways donors can, can donate. They can actually donate, donate through a bone marrow extraction. And I've heard that that can be painful. That's mostly to childhood leukemias. Oh, okay, gotcha. Anymore today, it's, it's a stem cell where they, you give yourself injections. So Lacey would have had to give herself injections for a period of five or six days. And then it crowds um, her cells, her white blood cells. It crowds them so much out of the bone that they enter her bloodstream. Mm. So really the stem cell transplant is taken it's through almost like a blood, a blood transfusion. Okay. It comes out and it actually goes back in another part of her body and her other arm. And they separate out the stem cells from the blood. So it's just like a revolving door, oh, okay. mm -hmm. essentially. And they save the stem cells then for the recipient. In my case, they froze them because I wasn't ready mm -hmm. for them yet. And and then I received them May 5th. So I was in the hospital about a month. And my mom was there with me. And they, they give you chemotherapy again during that hospital stay to take you down to zero. Like they kill... Normal chemotherapy works to kill the bad cells. Stem cell transplant kills bad and good. They just, they wipe you wipe out. Wipe you clean. I mean, my doctor described it as Roundup for, mm. oh for, your, for your cells. Yeah. And that's why you're hospitalized so that you can um, be hopefully free of what's floating around yeah. and an, in a bubble. And if you're going to have complications, you usually have it in the first couple of weeks when they take you down to zero and then you get this transplant and the cells are trying to take hold and mm -hmm. rebuild they describe it like a newborn baby and I slept a lot too. Mm -hmm. Your cells are multiplying. Yeah. They're growing mm -hmm. from scratch. And so I was susceptible to illnesses and such. And, um, luckily didn't have anything major, major, but it was a rough month and a half. I'm sure a lot of, um, 
a lot of blood donations and blood transfusions. I'm a huge advocate for American Red Cross mm-hmm. now and and blood drives because I've received over 40 through the course of my treatments. They were scary at first, but I have a motto that everything's only scary once, you know, and, and you go through it twice, you go through it three yeah, times, yeah. you go through it 40 times and it's not that scary. Yeah, and we get, so, you got Brock Higgins to donate. So yeah, you know, and he was scared to death. So I got lots of talk about it, talked about it for oh, a week. He was so nervous about it, but he did. So he will love getting the shout out for that, by the way. Yeah, he will. I love it. Uh, so, um, so it was a long process, but I am, I'm so thankful to be on the other side. I came home in August came home as in back to Indiana in August and right at the start of the kids' school year. So tell us a little about that because I, I just love hearing how God works everything. So you tell us, just tell us a little bit about your desire of when you wanted to be mm. home. I wanted to be home so bad for the kids' start of school. So keep in mind, I left uh, December 7th of 2020. Um, I missed Christmas, you know, with the kids. I, we quick did a a couple presents before I jumped on the plane to go to Houston, but I missed Christmas with the kids. The kids came out and visited three times Mm -hmm. while I was out there. Their dad brought them out there. My dad brought them out there. My mother brought them out there. So we had a lot of things going on. Um, and they did some extended stays, but I just so badly wanted to be home for that first day of school. And I prayed and I prayed and I was like, okay, God, please. Well, then my gallbladder issue came along and that set everything back one month because I had to have some recovery time from it due to infection. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I knew I was just devastated. I was not going to be home for the first day of school. Yeah. I'd probably be home the second week. And lo and behold, not the way you'd want it to happen, but come the first day of school, I still wasn't home. But the day before the kids had found out they'd had a close contact for COVID close enough that it was in the family and they were quarantined. Mm. They could not start school on time. Something good came from COVID. They were going to be one week delayed and I was going to be home for the (laughs) the start of their first day of school. So not what you would expect, but I remember, I remember just looking up and thinking, Okay, God, like that. that the smallest worked. details. It I mean, the smallest details he and, takes care of. And there were so many instances. I think anybody can say that through their life if you look for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look for those instances, you can just look up and go, okay, God, you did that. Yeah. Why, why did I doubt? Why did I? You did that. How awesome is he? Yeah. And we kind of talked a, bit, a little bit about it at the beginning, but let's let's go back and talk a little bit more deeply about it. But so you're back home. You said it's been a year. Mm-hmm. What has life been like at home? I mean, we talked a little bit about um, you don't feel like you don't feel sometimes you don't feel like you're leaning in as much. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's I think that's very common uh, among people that uh, go through something, a real bad tragedy, feel really close. And then you kind of get back into the swing of things and different things like that. So talk about life back at home, obviously. Love and time at home with the kids, I'm yes. sure. Uh, back at work right. and all that stuff. So right. life is life is going on. Life is going on. And I, I don't feel authentic without also mentioning, um, but not dwelling on it, that I went through a lot of personal changes through this too. Um, so over the past two, almost three years, I've gone through a separation and a divorce and cancer mm-hmm. and being mom to four boys and um, and their dad is very involved and, and a good partner and all of that, but we're no longer married. And, and that's been an adjustment through all of this. So 
it, it feels not authentic to also acknowledge that there was a lot of personal Absolutely. stuff yeah. going on uh, for our whole family during that period of time. But since I've been home, my doctor laughs, my doctor out in Houston, because I was going back every three months and now I go back every six months and hopefully after November, it'll be a year before they ask me to come back for, uh, they do those bone marrow biopsies and yeah. checkups. And so my doctor, the last time I was there, he introduced me to a new physician's assistant that was making rounds with him. And he said um, to her, he said, now this is Tara Brower. She will ask you the most bizarre questions you've ever heard in your entire <laughs> life. And uh, and she will push the envelope more than you want her to. And I looked at him and I said, <laughs> we have a good rapport, this doctor and I. Um, I said, I really resent that. Like yeah. that, that. That feels, and he said, go ahead. What kind of questions do you have for her today? <laughs> and I said, I said, well... Um, can I realistically, can I stop wearing my mask on a regular basis? When do I not have to be so worried about some of that? And he said, he said, well, probably about now. And I said, good. I'm so glad to hear you say that. And he looks at me, he says, what have you been doing? <laughs> and I said, well, actually I've been in a play for the last, um, I've been practicing for a play and it's coming up on uh, performances about 10 or 11 nights to 500 people <laughs> and I'm in it with a cast and crew of about 150 and I'm not allowed to wear a mask and I've been practicing for the last couple months without <laughs> one and I help open it with um, with another uh, gal in our community just on a testimony yeah. and he looks at the physician's assistant and he said and we're back. <laughs> he said, that's hey, why we're here. That's why I said that. <laughs> yeah and uh, and he said what else are you doing? I said well how how careful do I need to be around animals? And he said, are we talking about your dog at home? This, And I said, oh, well, my kids have four pigs that we keep <laughs> down the road in a barn. And you know, we have shavings and we're washing them and they show them in 4-H and uh, we're back and forth. And he said, he said, yep, there we go again. <laughs> Another you know? bizarre. Yeah, here we go again. I don't think pig and was on his radar. He was think. not on his radar as far as the animal question. So uh, we get a good chuckle out of this. And as a side note, one of my favorite stories on this doctor is um, back in February, I think I had mentioned on this podcast that he was just put, he was the, he was the random doctor that was assigned yes. to me on the day that I got there. And just how God, he was a chemotherapy doctor or, or leukemia doctor and a, a stem cell yes. doctor at the same time. Mm -hmm. He's the only one on staff of 52 doctors that did both. And he just happened to be the guy I got assigned to. Well, um, in the last year, I guess it was a year ago this summer, when I was visiting with him, I was talking about getting ready to go back out to Colorado because that's a favorite place of mine. We mm -hmm. talked about what mm -hmm. I'm doing since transplant. I've been to Colorado a couple times. My parents have a family cabin there. It's just a place where I feel... Picking on your I youngest just, son. Oh, picking <laughs> on my youngest son, for sure. The boys have a great time out there fishing, all boy things out there. But it's just very remote, and it's a place where I just feel God yeah. so close to me. Um, this doctor, he says... We're at in Colorado, and I describe it to him southwest of Denver, and he said, he said, oh, really? I leave in a month to go to Buena Vista, which is the name of a town that is 40 miles away, like of wow. all places in yeah. Colorado. I said, we have to go through there to get to where we're going, and he said, well, I'm with a cycling club, and we're going there, and I just thought, 
Yes, God. Of course he is. Mm-hmm. Of course he knows exactly yeah. where I yeah. go. Of course, of all places in the United States mm-hmm. with his cycling club, this <laughs> is the one right tiny there. little town he goes to yeah. in Colorado. So just really neat. But um, I love doing that. I love doing the promise and pushing the envelope and 4-H with the kids and starting back with some of our camping activities, school. Yes, of course, back to work full time. Um, and doing some vacation things. So anxious to meet Lacey, hopefully this fall mm-hmm. in person. Um, but really trying to be patient. I haven't done, here I am on the podcast and I've done, um, did like a Mother's Day banquet and a couple of women's Bible studies where I just gave part of my testimony. But I really felt like I wanted to be patient and tell God, how do you use this story? Yeah. And rather than me push it, um, just saying yes, Lord. And one of my favorite things is this one of the women's Bible studies. She called, she sends me a message and she says, Will you come speak to our group of women? I said, I would love to. And she says, Okay, great. Um, you'll need to be there a little early, but we start at five o'clock in the morning on, oh. a, on, a, on a weekday. Ooh. And I was like, I said, yes, Lord. Yep, I did. I did. I, think I, I know will, that Bible study. I will, <laughs> I will do that one. And, uh, and so just, just, I think that's, I'm so thankful for what God has given me, that if there is an ounce of that that can inspire somebody else going through, maybe not cancer, maybe it's something totally different, Mm -hmm. just use it for good. God can take a horrible situation, like a Lachlan's passing, like me having cancer, um, and use it for good. I I don't know, I hope, you know, at the one year and five year and 10 year and 50 year mark, I look back and I see the trail of just seeds scattered along the way. Maybe it'll change the way my kids go about their lives mm-hmm. or choose their profession mm-hmm. or show empathy towards others, befriend yeah. someone going through it. Like I just think, okay, God, please show me along the way how you've used it for good. Yeah. Well, you've been very real with us, so I'm going to ask you another question too that is, is pretty pretty real. The fear of it coming back. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's got to be something that is in the back of your mind. Um, probably something the enemy tries to throw to the front of your mind often. Um, how do you how do you how do you handle that? How do you deal with that? Well, I mentioned that sermon this last Sunday. Part of why it probably pierced my heart so much was was it hit on that exact topic. It was, and and I thought of Beth Graber mm-hmm. during this. I thought of her husband Brett, um, and people that are battling this right now, like fear less and be faithful. And I thought. God, why? Why am I fearful of this? It brought me closer to you. Mm-hmm. You brought me through it. Why am I so fearful? But anybody I talk to that's gone through something major like that, they'll say, there may be a day you don't look over your shoulder, but I have a friend that I've met through this journey and she's 16 years out. She's local. And she says, it does dissipate, but it doesn't go yeah. away. Yeah. And I even had, I was at my doctor's visit. I go once every two months to the local doctor in Evansville. And, um, I was a little concerned. I was getting blood work done and they'd stretched out my time frame to get it. And anytime they do that, I just get mm-hmm. antsy because it's a reassurance yeah. when I go back and I hear blood works good, mm-hmm. everything's okay. <laughs> and so I actually look forward. I don't get anxious for those appointments anymore. I look forward to them because it's an answer. Yeah. And, um, I'd had some issues with um, with my mouth, of all things, like gums and some extra bleeding, and that was a sign way long ago when oh, really? I look back that I was having a little bit of bleeding mm-hmm. because my platelets were low. Mm-hmm. There were some medical reasons for it. And now, 
turns out there's no real medical reasons for it. Um, it's just a, an issue that I need to change like mouthwashes and toothbrushes and <laughs> yeah. toothpaste and do a few things differently. But it, it did just put that seed Absolutely. in your mind to think, what could this be? And so that message just hit me so poignantly that, um, and I thought, okay, God, that's going to be my prayer going into this. I heard it on Sunday morning. My doctor's appointment was Monday morning, but I was like, okay, for the next day, it's going to be repeat this mantra in your head. Mm -hmm. Fear less, be faithful. God did it once. He can do it again. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome answer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, kind of wrap it up. I think our, our theme verse for this podcast is, is Genesis 50, 20, where, where Joseph's talking to his brothers and says, as you guys meant this for evil, right? But God meant it for good. And I think that that word meant, um, I think we, we, especially we can get that, uh, kind of messed up and to think that God can use this for good, but, but God meant, means this for good. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this means he plans this before the foundation of time for our good. Um, it doesn't surprise them. It doesn't surprise them when things happen. And, and, and when we are going through, you know, huge events like you did or, or small events that we all go through, God means this and he has planned this um, because if God doesn't plan these things, then it's just chaos and we have nobody to, to really lean into or nobody to really look to uh, for answers. And so, you know, we talk about the sovereignty of God and, and how God has planned things out uh, and spread those seeds before we even knew it. Um, but I think your, your testimony is just a perfect way to explain that. You've got a really evident testimony of how God has done this, but I think all of us have, a, if we, if we reflect enough, we can see that God has placed these things in our steps um, so that we are where we are and that we continue growing, you know, to, to love him more and be more like him. Um, but like I said, your, your testimony is awesome. And, there's big ways that God has placed, mm -hmm. you know, these coincidences that God has placed these people and, and things exactly when you need them, where you need them and how you need them. Yeah. Exactly. And like she said, we all have moments in our lives like that. If we're looking for them, if we're looking for them. And yep. I think that's the biggest thing is having our eyes open to what God's doing in our lives. And then the biggest thing, once we see what he's doing, be thankful for what he's doing, be thankful for what he's done and be thankful for what he's going to do, mm -hmm. I think is, is the heart that we need to have. So Tara, I'll give you one last chance. Did you have anything you wanted to kind of close with or say? Well, as, as I was doing my devotional this morning, uh, uh, there are about five different scriptures and they're real short, but it's everything that you just mentioned and, and as what we just talked about, but, uh, in Deuteronomy 31, eight, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. Mm -hmm. He will be with you and he will not fail you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 130, the Lord, your God who goes before you will himself fight on your behalf. Psalm 139.5, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Isaiah 52.12, for the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Isaiah 45.2, I will go before you and will level the mountains and I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. And then one of my favorites, Isaiah 41, 10 says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and I will uphold you with my righteous mm -hmm. right hand. Mm -hmm. And he goes before us. He goes behind us. He goes beside us. And I just sometimes have to repeat that to myself that he knows my future. He knows my past. He's still with me today mm -hmm. and he knows my future and, um, and I will be thankful and I will try, although I fail yeah. every day, I will try to praise him in all of that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, Tara, thank you for coming on the show today. 
I'd say that was a good 100th episode. Yeah, yeah that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> All right. So you guys, uh, Tara, thank you again. I encourage you guys to reach out to Tara. Talk to her about her story. I'm sure she wouldn't mind that at all. So, uh, Nate, thank you for joining us today. And I'm Josh Sports and Trooper. Until next time, God bless.